Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We're continuing on in our study through Jonah. Basically, we've been looking at the whole issue of running from God. And I think we have to be very honest with ourselves and realize that that is a very real issue for us, the church, today. Because we have allowed ourselves to embrace a thought, and I think it's a cultural thought, that says that, you know, Jesus forgives, you can just do whatever you want to do. I'm saved, I'm okay. But the reality is, is though when you look at it though, when you and I run from God because we don't like what He wants. Remember what I told you, with Jonah, he was told to go to Nineveh over here, but he decided he was going to run as far as he could from what God wanted, and he went all the way over here to Tarshish, or was trying to get there. He didn't get very far, because God came after him. When you and I make those decisions that we're going to do our own thing, we need to understand there are some consequences for the decisions that we make. And that's a very real issue that all of us need to grasp. Not just you, myself. As I look at my life, as you look at your life, as we look at the church today, we're making a lot of excuses. We're running from what God wants. I'll just be honest with you. The sad thing is many of us really don't care what God wants. And we really need to grasp the reality that God's got to do what He can to bring us to that place of brokenness. But there's another place that He needs to bring us to, and that's the place of repentance. You say, well, what's repentance? Repentance is recognizing that you're not doing right and changing your behavior. Because you recognize that God is not happy with you. And so I want you to see what we're going to look at today because we're going to get into chapter 3. And again, it's, it's in Jonah, and so we're going to see Jonah there. But the focus of chapter 3 is not so much Jonah, although he's involved in this chapter. The focus of this chapter in chapter 3 is the people of Nineveh, the Ninevites, and God. That's the focus. And as we look at the Ninevites and their response to God, we're going to understand what it means to come to a place of repentance. Which is what God is calling all of us to do. Because we need to wake up to the reality that when we're walking away from what He wants us to do, we're inviting some consequences. So notice with me, just ten verses. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet Forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. 
So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, lay aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. We're going to see here today in this passage as we look at these people of Nineveh what it means to come to the place of repentance. And my friends, you and I need to realize what it means. Today this is something that you and I have to be aware of. Because reality is that as Americans, the church, we're sleeping, doing our own thing, couldn't care less about the consequences of our behavior. And the reality is Jesus is coming. Is coming. Will he find us sleeping? That's the reality. And see, what we're going to see here is that in Nineveh, they just went on their everyday lives. But a prophet came. So I want you to notice, first of all, his message. Look with me. Verse 3. Very simple message. This is all that he preached. But listen to what he said. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days journey in extent. And verse 4, And Jonah began to enter on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. First thing I want you to notice about his message is this. And this is something that you and I need to grasp the reality of, is that there is a limit to God's patience. Notice what he says. Yet 40 days. He he comes into town and he tells them, guys, you've only got 40 days. There's no negotiating it. You can't buy extra time here. See, God is a patient person. But my friends, what I want you to understand is, is that there is a limit to his patience. In fact, as I was studying this passage, my mind went to a parallel passage all the way over in Revelation chapter 2, in one of the letters, the letters to Thyatira, Jesus is writing that church, and he's telling this church that they have a woman in their midst, and they refer to the woman as Jezebel, who is causing the church to sin. I want you to listen to what Jesus writes to the church. Listen to what it says. Verse 20, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you've allowed that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. Listen to verse 21. Listen, this is the patience of God. I gave her time to repent. God has a patience level. He says because He loves us. I gave her time to turn from her evil ways. I gave her time to get back on the path where she needed to be. Notice, to repent of her sexual immorality. And notice what it says. And she did not repent. 
She didn't. So then I want you to notice that there is a limit to God's patience. Notice what it says here. Indeed, I will cast her into a sick bed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. See, there's a limit to God's patience. So he entered into this town. And let me explain something to you. Nineveh was a wicked place. Nineveh, Nineveh, their culture was violent. They were known when they would conquer people, they would just literally wipe people out. They were violent people. And so Jonah goes in with a simple message. And he says, you have 40 days. 40 days. There's a limit to God's patience. Let me ask yourself a question today. You know what God is telling you to do. But you're running. And He's being patient with you. Do you know what the limit is to His patience? Have you reached His limit? See, that's a serious question we've got to ask ourselves, isn't it? Well, you say, well, nobody knows what His patience is. That's the point. When I provoke Him and I don't do what He wants me to do, there's a reality in which I need to recognize that there is a limit to God's patience. That's the first part of His message. And then notice the second part of His message. We see it there in verse 4. Look with me again. Notice what He says in verse 4 of Jonah. He says, Yet forty days, and what? Nineveh shall be overthrown. Here's the part of the message. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Let me just stop for a moment because, you know, in our circle of churches, we believe very much in the eternal security of a believer. And what we believe by that is, is that when you and I have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we are assured of salvation, assured of heaven. We have that guarantee of the Holy Spirit that comes into our life. We believe that. Now, here's what happens, though, is that we then turn around and use that assurance as a license to do whatever we want to do. A lot of people are doing that. Well, I'm okay. God's, God, God loves me. God saved me. I can do what I want to do. But yet we forget over and over in the Bible that we're going to be held accountable. So we keep saying the things that we're saying. We hurt people's feelings. doesn't matter to us. But yet we forget that Jesus said, one day that every idle word will be taken into account. Judgment's coming. You say, what kind of judgment, George? How can you, am I going to hell? No, 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 you don't understand. See, you're okay as far as hell. You've trusted in Jesus. But you have to understand, there are different levels of judgment. And you've been saved from the second death. But my friends, can I be honest with you? You're not saved from the judgment of God in your life. Think about this. Think about the Corinthian church. Let's go all the way, all the way over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Here they are. They're celebrating the Lord's table. There are some who are abusing that time. And here's what Jesus says to them. Because of their abuses, because of their doing wrong, some were sick. They were struck with sickness because of their actions. And some were asleep. What does that mean? God took them home. He dealt with them. See, judgment is coming. That's the message. He goes into Nineveh and he says to them, Guys, 40 days, the patience of God is done. 40 days, this whole city. Think about it. Three days. It takes three days to walk across the city. Three days. Big city. 
It'll be overthrown. It'll be wiped out. And that was the message. My friends, that's the message you and I need to hear today. There is a limit to God's patience with us. Because I'm going to be honest with you, we are provoking Him. We're provoking Him with our attitudes. We're provoking Him with our lifestyles. We're provoking Him with the way that we treat each other. We're provoking Him. But yet we'll come, we'll say, we're okay, we're Christians, God loves us. We love Jesus. But what did Jesus say? If you love me, what? Keep my commandments. Don't tell me you love Jesus, and yet you're going this way, away from Him, simply because you don't like what He's telling you to do over there. And that's it. We've been given so much freedom, we think we have a right to pick and choose what we want to do today. But see, there's a, there's a limit to his patience. So I want you to notice now the response of repentance. We're going to see now how the people of Nineveh respond to this. And I think this is where you and I come to an understanding of what it means to come to the place of repentance. So look with me, verses 5 through 9. Wonderful passage. We really need to look at this in detail and see here what it means to come to the place of turning from our sin and doing what God wants us to do. Notice what it says, verse 5. So the people of Nineveh believed God. They believed. Here's the first part of coming to a place of repentance. They believed that God's judgment is coming. See, here's the point. If you and I are going to get to the place where we're not just going to whip out that MasterCard and say, okay, it's drawn on the blank account of Jesus' blood. I'm forgiven. I can do whatever I want to do. If we're going to get serious about the sin in our lives, if we're going to do what it takes for us to deal with what's wrong, because we know that God has a limit to His patience, we first of all have got to believe the message. What message? That he has a limit to his patience and that judgment is coming. You and I have first of all got to believe that we're doing wrong. It's interesting, you know, think about this. There's a lot of parallels between Jonah and the prodigal. And in the story of the prodigal in the Gospels, it says this, that, you know, there he was, he was feeding the pigs and eating their husk because he wasn't getting fed very much. And it it is an interesting phrase there in that passage. It says that he came to his senses. He came to an understanding. He came to to a, a realization of where he was at. See, this is what was happening with these folks in Nineveh. They realized, man, I am guilty. And his judgment is coming. And so they believed it. My friends, do you believe God's judgment is coming? Do you believe that one day you have to stand before the mighty God, Jesus Christ incarnate, and answer to Him concerning the issues of your life? Do you recognize that when you stand before Him, excuses don't mean anything? Because everything, your heart, your mind, everything will be opened? See, they believed. See, if I'm going to come to the place of not just brokenness over my sin, if I'm going to come to the place of repentance, of being and turning back to where God wants me to be, i got to believe that I'm going to answer for the stuff that happens in my life. And I'll be honest with you, I know this because we've allowed our position of eternal security to be the excuse for all the stuff that we do wrong. Oh yeah, Lord, I know I treated Brad wrong, but... Jesus loves me. 
He forgives me. Yeah, I treated that clerk at Walmart pretty bad, Lord. Made a spectacle of myself there. But I'm forgiven. I'll be honest with you, I hate those bumper stickers. Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Irritates me every time I see that because that is reflective of this attitude that says, well, I can just do whatever I want to do. Cut you off in traffic, read my bumper sticker. Do we believe? See, the first thing you and I need to understand as far as the place of repentance is we've got to believe that His judgment is coming. And I'm answerable. I'm answerable. So I want you to notice that. The next thing I want you to see there, look again with me, verse 5, and notice what it says. The people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed the fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. And then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from the throne and laid aside his robe and covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. Here's the thing I want you to notice. The next thing about it, the next thing I want you to see about the response of repentance is not just a belief that God's judgment is coming. They humbled themselves. Listen, this, the ancient culture, they were a little bit more descriptive in things, and so you understood things a little bit. So when somebody was shamed, when somebody was humbled, they would literally take the clothes off their body and then put on well, I, I guess what we would describe it as burlap sacks today. Some of you know what a burlap sack is. I mean, it, it's pretty rough. The texture of it is pretty rough. Now, I want you to see yourself wearing a burlap sack. You wouldn't like that. Because first of all, you don't look good in that. Can you see yourself, see somebody profiling in a potato sack? And notice the other point there is, is that he put ashes on his head. That was a sign of shame. A sign of humiliation. Here's what happened. They recognized that God's judgment was coming. And here's what they did. They humbled themselves. What does that mean, George? They stripped themselves of their pride. See, when you're running from what God wants and you're doing your own thing, you're just thinking about yourself and what you want. And even if people come and talk to you and say to you, Hey, man. You know you're not doing right. Who's not doing right? I'm doing okay. But see, when you realize that God's judgment is coming and you understand it's you and He's coming to talk and deal with you, you humble yourself. That's the first step in repentance is that the pride gets stripped away and you realize, I am a sinner. I am rotten to the core. I am a liar. I am a thief. And the list goes on and on and on. In fact, here, let me just stop for a moment. I want you to think about this. Let's have a little test today. You want to say how real real pride is in your life? Think about it just for a moment. I want every one of you with me to say, I'm a sinner. All right, go ahead. I'm a sinner. Hey, okay, stop for a moment. Think about how you felt when you said that. It's okay because we say that all the time, isn't it? Okay, let's get a little bit more specific. I'm a liar. Go ahead. I'm a liar. Now, you were hesitant to say that one. What kept you? Here's another one. I break the law. Go ahead. I break the law. See the hesitancy there. What's keeping you from doing that? I don't break the law. I don't lie. Maybe stretch the truth a little bit. 
And see, what happens is, is your pride comes in and it keeps you from making the admission. See, here's the point. They were able to come to the place of recognizing that God's judgment was coming. And here's what they did. They humbled themselves. They stripped themselves. Listen, even the king. Can you picture that? If this was America, George Bush getting out of the three-piece, putting on a burlap sack. Beyond our thoughts. But that's what this king did. Because he humbled himself. He humbled himself. They humbled themselves. My friends, it's going to have to take you and I humbling ourselves and recognizing who we are. Let me tell you, it ain't nice. Because we don't like to admit those things about ourselves, do we? Let's go on now. Look now, verse 7 through 8. Here's, here, notice what happens here. Look with me. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, lest, but let every man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Here's what I want you to see about repentance. They stopped their sinful actions and attitudes. You know what? Here it is. You're running from God. You know what He wants you to do over here. You're heading in the opposite direction. God brings you to the place of repentance. You recognize the judgment of God is coming. You humble yourself. Here's the thing. You stop your actions. You stop your attitudes. You stop them. You just don't continue on in them and say, Oh, I... If I confess my sins, He's faithful and just to forgive my, me my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteous. Forgive me, Jesus. And then you just kept on going. It's, it's like, ever heard somebody say this? I know I shouldn't do this, but God forgive me for what I'm about to do. That's the attitude. See, that's not an attitude of repentance. Repentance is a recognition that I'm going to answer to Him. I need to humble myself and i got to stop what I'm doing. And i got to head back in a direction that he told me to head. But I'll be honest with you, it takes a lot of strength to do that, doesn't it? You know what the sad thing is? We don't have it. See, they stopped their sinful actions and attitudes. They stopped them. And here's the other point I want you to see. is, And this is the point that you've got to understand that is the final component to the issue of repentance Look with me at what the king said, verse 9. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from His fierce anger so that we may not perish? Here's the final thing I want you to see about the response of repentance is that they trusted, they trusted in the mercy of God. See, there's this understanding, oh my, a holy God is angry with me. And He's going to judge me for my sin. And we humble ourselves. We stop our actions. But there's also that attitude that as I stop my actions, as I humble myself, as I recognize His judgment is coming, I trust that He's a merciful God. Can I be honest with you? Every single one of us here today doesn't deserve to be alive. Not a one of us. Now, if you think you do, you've got a pride issue. Because when you recognize that we have sinned against the Holy God, and He rightfully has the right to judge us and to cast us into hell, you'll understand that maybe you need to trust that He's merciful. 
And we already know He's merciful. How do I know He's merciful? He sent His Son to die for you. The greatest show of mercy that ever was shown. And see, that'll bring you to that place of repentance. Lord, I know I'm heading in the wrong direction. I need to turn back. I am trusting in Your mercy. But there is one other thing I want you to see in this passage as we talk about the place of repentance. And really, that is the whole issue of the mercy of God. Look with me at verse 10. Look at what it says. Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that He had said He would bring upon them, and He did not do it. Two things I want you to see here. First of all, notice that first phrase, God saw their works. Here's the first thing I want you to notice about the mercy of God. God knows our hearts. You and I can be really good at deceiving others around us. We could talk a good line. We can even act the right way. And we're good at it. In fact, we get lots of practice, don't we? And we can deceive people around us because people around us can't see what? Our hearts. They don't know our motives. So you can deceive people around you. You can act like you're okay. And you can, you can talk a good line. But the reality of it is, is that your heart may not be right. And see, here's the thing though. When we talk about the place of repentance and we talk about the mercy of God, I can come to Him and I can say, oh Jesus, forgive me. But the reality is, is that they're just words if my heart doesn't mean it. If in my heart, I'm still planning on doing the wrong thing. I'm still planning on heading out in this direction here, away from His will. So you can't deceive God. God's not mocked by us. I mean, think about it for a moment. Think about how foolish we are. When we, we're running away from God and we, we get caught, then we say, oh, forgive me. But yet in our heart, we're still planning on heading over here. You're talking about the creator of the universe who knows your thoughts, everything about you. The Bible says he knows the number of the hairs on your head. God knows everything about us. So he knows our hearts. And he knows the genuineness of your heart. God knows our hearts. And then I want you to notice something here. Here's the wonderful thing about God is is that he is ready to show mercy. But we've got to be genuine. We've got to come to the place of repentance. We've got to go to Him and ask for mercy. Because we recognize His judgment is coming. Let me give you three things. First of all, ask yourself this question. Is God trying to get your attention? Is He? Think about your life for a moment. Is God trying to get your attention? Is He trying to get your attention because here's what He's told you to do and you've decided to head off in the different direction because you know better? Oh, you know what? It doesn't even have to be that you know better. You couldn't care less. You just want to do what you want to do. And so you're heading off over here and God is trying to get your attention. So maybe He's turning up the heat and things are happening in your life all to get your attention to draw you back to Him. But maybe you're making excuses. Oh, the devil's just after me. Well, it may not be the devil. It may be God is after you. Is God trying to get your attention? Which brings me to my next point here. That you need to recognize that judgment is coming. 
Judgment is coming. God is bringing judgment. He's going to deal with you. We'll say, what does that mean? I'm going to hell. I've already told you that's not the issue. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ. But that does not mean that He won't bring in, take you to the woodshed. You know what? As I grew up, I had a dad that would figuratively take me to the woodshed. I never got kicked out of the family, but he took me to the woodshed. And to be honest with you, I needed to go to the woodshed. And I'll be honest with you, we need to be dealt with, don't we? Recognize that judgment is coming. So then, finally, the third thing is, turn back to God. Turn back to God. Look, quit heading over here because you want to, because you think you know better, or because you just don't like what He wants you to do. Turn back to Him. Go back to what He wants. Go back. Come to the place of repentance. Turn back. Turn back. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.